Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and today Straja has nominated Dr. Allison Williams for a Game Changer Award, and we're so thankful that she has taken time this morning to join us. So Dr. Williams, thank you so much for joining me for a brief interview and congratulations on your Game Changer Award. It sounds like you're doing some pretty amazing things. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Karen. And so back up and tell our listeners and readers, Allison, a little bit about what inspired you first to become a veterinarian and then what made you decide to want to continue on in a residency program to become a board certified veterinary oncologist? Yeah, so, um, gosh, I mean, I think most people who are veterinarians say that they wanted to be vets since they were little kids, and I think that's probably true for me, too, but honestly, the thing that really um, made it for me, well, I I always had a love for science, uh, and then I actually worked at a pet store for almost five years where we did uh, uh, find homes for puppies and and, uh, kittens and other uh, animals, and it was really the bond that I formed with a lot of the people I met during that time. Um, getting to send home a little puppy and then watching it grow up and then that owner coming back to me for advice about uh, different items and things, you know, whether it's treats or training tips or whatever it was, food, um, and then just forming really strong bonds with those people. That was actually uh, a big part of what made me want to be a veterinarian. Mm, That's that's wonderful. And then you went to vet school and then either sometime during vet school or when you graduated, you decided then to continue on specifically focusing on cancer. So how did that evolution occur? Yeah. So, um, to be honest, when I, uh, as soon as I started vet school, I had a feeling I wanted to specialize right off the bat. I think for me, part of it was I always wanted to be kind of that per- that go-to person that people were like, she knows what she's talking about, about that, that specific area. And veterinary medicine is so broad. Like there's so much for us to know. Um, So I always felt like I'd rather know uh, a lot about one specific area as opposed to knowing uh, just a little bit about everything. So I always wanted to specialize. I started uh, out at first thinking I wanted to do radiology. So I was really involved with uh, the radiology club at my vet school, and I spent a lot of time with the radiologist uh, actually going out and doing ultrasounds um, with them in the community, and that was really fun. Uh, But then during that time when I was uh, out in the vet community doing ultrasounds with this radiologist, uh, I came across a few oncology cases, and that already started to pique my interest. Um, Then I did take uh, an elective course in third year, and, and we actually don't get that much exposure, believe it or not, to oncology. I mean, it's just such a huge world. And you, so you just get a little bit of it in vet school. Um, but I got a little bit of it in that course. And then that already started to pique my interest. And then the thing that might have sold it for me um, was actually between my third and fourth year. 
I spent a day on the oncology service and I was mostly helping out with a radiation patient who I found out had uh, a history of, uh, had a brain tumor and had an been diagnosed because of this seizure. And then I found out that they had actually treated this dog with radiation therapy. Um, and two years later, he was seizure free and his brain tumor had shrunk. And I just, it absolutely blew my mind that we could even treat brain tumors uh, in dogs. And so I thought that was amazing. And, and really, there was a lot of uh, imaging and radiology that tied in there. But at the same time, I was able to still form those bonds with clients um, and their owners and their, their pets. And that was what drew me to veterinary medicine in the, uh, in the beginning anyways. And so it just made sense. Radiology, you don't get as much time with, with the owners uh, really at all or the, even the pets that much. And, and I was able to do that with oncology. It has been really inspiring for me to be able to interview many veterinary oncologists. And, you know, I think it's an important conversation to have because I think not only pet parents, but general practitioners often think, oh my goodness, it's such a sad world or it's such a constantly depressing situation. But even the story that kind of inspired you to want to go down the path of oncology shows that of course, cancer is a scary diagnosis, but that we've come so far with advancements that there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of ability to do more than, than what a lot of people think. So I have to assume that through your veterinary oncology training that you have been continually inspired by all that's available to help dogs and cats dealing with this diagnosis. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're so right. Um, there's a a bit of a stigma that's just uh, surrounds a cancer diagnosis, even for humans as well, but also for veterinary patients. And I think a lot of people they sort of think about you know what their either their own experience have been with cancer and chemotherapy or treatments, um, or their family members or friends, and then they sort of assume that that's what it's going to be like for their animal. And it's hard to imagine putting your animal through that. And um, I don't think I could even do this job if that's what it was like, um, the same way it is for humans, if it was like that for our veterinary patients as well. Um, and yeah, I was, I was also really shocked, even as a vet student, with just how happy the veterinary service is. Just, you know, everybody thinks, like you said, it's very depressing, but actually it was one of the happiest places to be in the hospital. Um, many of our patients are, they do really well, and we can talk more about that too, why that might be, but uh, they do really, really well. Many of them with their treatments, they have a really excellent quality of life. Um, and owners are just so grateful for that extra time they have with their animals with a, that are having a, a good quality of life. Um, and so it ends up being yeah, one, of the, one of the happiest places actually in the hospital. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I think it's, I think it's good to talk about that because uh, we have young new veterinarians entering into what I think historically typically would be stereotyped as, as, a, de as a depressing career path. And yet there's so much to celebrate and be thankful for. And also a lot of areas of hope. And so in with the cases that you have had, during your residency, are there some that stand out as being notable or extra impactful to you? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely there are a few and a big part of it does have to do obviously with the animals, you know, I'm, I meet so many great animals um, and just seeing how I've been able to provide their owners with more time with them, seeing the really strong bonds that those animals have with their owners. And then also the really strong bonds that I formed with the owners and, you know, many of them that we're still friends today. So there's definitely a few, obviously um, one of the first ones that comes to mind is going to be uh, Twilla Rose and her owner, owner uh, Straja Linder King, because that's kind of what brought me here today. Um, yeah, and, and Twilla Rose is, I don't know how much you know about her, but she's just the, one of the most amazing dogs, amazing souls I've ever met. Um, and her same goes for her owner and the things that, that, uh, she's doing as a therapy dog are pretty amazing, but yeah, being able to, to basically, you know, treat Twillow. Um, and she was in a lot of pain when she came to see me and getting to, be able to provide her with that pain relief and, and making her more comfortable, but also giving her so much more time with her owner, but also all the other people out in the world that she has an impact on has been yeah pretty amazing. Mm, so good. So good. I'm sure that you get up every day incredibly thankful to be able to serve unbelievable clients like this with their incredible animals. What do you love most so far about your work in terms of striving to become uh, soon to be, when do you sit? When when do you sit for your boards? How how much time do you have left? Yeah, so I'm in my final year of residency. Um, so I'm a senior resident. We have three years of residency, and then I also did two years of internship after that school um, before getting into my uh, residency. So finally, in my final year, it's been a long journey to get here, but I just uh, a few months ago wrote my, we have two board exams. So I just wrote my general board exam several months ago and I did pass, which was exciting. Um, and then in, a, in about a year, I'll write my specialty board exam. Well, wonderful. We're excited to track your progress and evolution and success along with that. What do you love the most so far in terms of what you learned, what you're doing, what you're inspired to do um, when you get out into private practice thus far? What are you, what do you love most? Um, it's honestly, there's so much that I love about what I do that it, it is hard to put my finger on just one thing. Um, definitely we've already touched on, I have a huge just passion for, um, you know, getting to know owners and their pets and that bond that they have, and then forming a bond with them as well. And then you know, getting to help them and just seeing how grateful they are and how happy and what a good quality of life animals can have too um, after our treatment. So that's that's definitely a big part. If I, I don't know if I'm allowed to give a few more, but um, other things that I absolutely love about it. I mean, oncology is just a crazy area, specialty area. There's it's so rapidly developing. There's always new tr exciting treatments that are coming out. There's so much new interesting research. 
and being a resident, obviously you get to be involved in that. Um, and on the academic side where, you know, we're always learning and always doing journal clubs and book clubs and, and just always having discussions with some amazing uh, other oncologists and specialists and getting to collaborate with so many different team members has been pretty amazing. Um, and then finally, another amazing part I find is is that it's actually, you know, what we're doing in terms of research in our veterinary patients is applicable to uh, human oncology. And I have several family members and friends who have been diagnosed with cancer um, and are going through that. And so, you know, the fact that potentially what we're doing with our veterinary patients is able to help humans, I think is pretty cool as well. Yeah, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that. I was going to bring that up and then I thought maybe that isn't true for you, but this whole concept of the One Health Initiative where, you know, human researchers and veterinary researchers in this situation, oncology can merge together and that what we're doing for dogs can benefit humans and vice versa. You know, I think part of the reason that oncology has become more hopeful is that there's so much happening in the human space that we're able then to transpose, we meaning you, veterinary oncologists are able to transpose down to bring an incredible improvement in quality of life, uh, lifespan and health span, both with animals diagnosed with cancer coming from human research. So I love the fact that you are doing this this translational medicine, this one health initiative concept of incorporating all of the research and information that we know about cancer for the benefit of humans and dogs. I think that that's very inspiring. And I think you're entering into your field at a really exciting time because the research is happening so quickly. So I have, I have to believe that you'll have a very rewarding and fulfilling career uh, going forward. If you could let the world know one thing thus far in all of your training, what would it be? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a pretty big question. You know, I think I, I did already touch on it a little bit, but I'd really like to reiterate it because I do think it's so important because even for me uh, as a young vet student, you know, I had a lot of thoughts about, you know, people I'd heard about who were treating their pets for cancer and just thinking, you know, is it, is it selfish even uh, to do that? Because is it just about us having a lot more time with them? But um, what about how did, how does that, uh, how is that for the patients? What is, what is it for like for them? Because they can't speak for themselves. Um, so really, I think I just want to reiterate that people who don't know much about veterinary oncology, just that our number one goal for them is always their quality of life. And while obviously we want to extend their life, uh, quality of life is really important um, and, and it comes first. And that we can basically, by not treating nearly as aggressively as they do in human medicine, we're able to provide our patients with a really excellent quality of life most of the time. Um, while also extending their life. And when their quality of life is, is being affected or we're worried about that, um, then we sort of take a step back and, and decide if there's other decisions that need to be made, whether that's decreasing their dose or changing their treatment or stopping treatment altogether. Um, but yeah, just that we really can have animals with an excellent quality of life while they're undergoing treatments for cancer. I think that's yeah. the biggest I think that I, I agree with you. I think that that's an important thing to continually discuss. And I think because people have maybe either 
as you mentioned, been through this themselves and have had a negative experience or the fear, the fear associated with cancer can be paralyzing. And I think sometimes through watching our animals go through an, an oncology service and really maintain excellent quality of life, feel good in their bodies, still have joy and happiness and maintain great quality of life. I think that we can actually, that we can re-educate humans about fears associated with cancer by wellness traveling up the leash is what I say, that oftentimes looking at animals and how well they do with their cancer can be very reassuring for us that we have made the right decisions in going forward with treating cancer. I think that whole concept that cancer is a death sentence is just untrue. And I love the fact that young oncologists are at this amazing time space reality to be able to take advantage of all of the technology to be able to then apply it for further well-being and improvement of quality of life. So you're at a really exciting point of your career. I'm very excited that Straja nominated you for your Game Changer Award. And we're so thankful that you are entering into our awesome profession to serve in a way that will be life enhancing, but also highly educational, uh, both for yourself and, and we wish you all the best in your, in your future, but also what you will be contributing to the well-being of animals and how you're serving and educating will be a godsend to all of us. Very thankful that you are the next entering veterinary oncologist. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your career with us. Thank you so much, Dr. Becker. It's been a pleasure.